0: I thought, amen. God is good all the time. Well, we're going to continue continue our study. Uh, Of course, we're in this series of the Godhead. And we've been looking at the guides of God. Uh, This would be our sixth or seventh week on that. Been so much to cover uh, on this particular topic. And one reason we spent so much time on that, I believe it's one of the most critical areas of our life. Knowing that whatever we're about to do or any direction we want to go, that we are being led by God. Now, from day one in our study several weeks ago, uh, we give an important principle. Uh, no matter what we're about to do, the main question we have to ask is, what I am wanting to do, is it in harmony with the Word of God? And if we say it's not, what what should we do? Don't do it, right? No point in com- you know in fact if it's, it's not if it's not in in harmony with God's word, should we pray about it? huh we well, we should always pray, but I mean now again, there's no need to ask God to help us if it goes against god's word this the issue is settled. Let's go back again to our key verse second Timothy three seventeen somebody read that, please. We've done it every week so far. Thank you, Dan. Now, again, this is verse 17. and verse 16, Paul reminds us that the entire Word of God was God-breathed or inspired. And the reason God gave us His Word is to make it very practical in our lives. So please understand, I mean, as much as I'm amazed at God's Word, and it still amazes me after all these years of reading and studying God's Word, as much as it does amaze me, God gave us His Word for intensely practical purpose. We have the Word of God to determine the revealed will of God for us. We have the Word of God, and in the Word of God, we'll find certain directions. God says, don't go there. But we also will find the things that <clears throat> which ways we can be pleasing to our God. Now, remember... Of course, our highest priority is to worship and give God glory. He deserves that. But as far as you and I as Christians, uh, one of the most highest priorities of our life is to conform our lives to the Word of God. Now, James says uh, anybody who reads the Word and doesn't do anything about it is like somebody who looks in a mirror and walks away and doesn't make any changes. Whenever we look into the mirror of God's Word... Who should we see? Ourselves. What can God do to change our lives? We spent several weeks now looking at ways to help discover the will of God. And we've looked at some basic principles so far. And I just want to kind of uh, uh, highlight those again. We're not going to go into detail again. Number one, uh, we have to be absolutely controlled by the word of God on the aspect of our life. God's word should control the way we live. Second of all, our heart within has got to be changed. Our heart has to be focused on God's glory. Our heart has to be set on pleasing Him if we are going to have God show us the way He wants us to walk. The third thing we look at, basic principle, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And then last week we went to uh, Proverbs and where the Bible says to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We've got to do that, number five. Uh, and by the way... <clears throat> Is God trustworthy? Yes. Do we always live that way, though? No. But we know He is, and we need to—you know—we we've got to trust Him with all of our hearts. Number number five, we've got—we can't lean to our own understanding. Uh, Number six, we've got to uh, ask God to guide us in everything we do. The seventh thing is seek God's glory in everything we do, and the last thing we ended up last week was uh, to seek God's blessing on everything. We do. Now, again, uh, the last one we talked about is seeking God's blessing. Do you think, based on what you know from God's Word, uh, do you think, based on what you know from God's Word, that God would bless anything that's not part of His will? No. So if we seek God's blessing on something, and we have God's blessing, we know that's part of God's will For our life, and then we ended up last with looking at the promise of that. If we if we trust in the Lord, don't lean on understanding. The Bible said that God is going to direct our paths, and I am convinced there are a lot of Christians today who especially want to be guided by God whenever a crisis or a time to make an important decision comes up in their life. But the problem is, have they been prepared to meet the requirements for that from the Word of God? Have we been trusting with God with God with all of our heart? Have we determined not to trust ourselves? Are we looking for God's guidance? Are we trying to give God glory? Or are we seeking His blessing? Now, let me give you a scenario. Suppose someone lives their life most of the time caring less, little, about God's presence in their life. Not worried so much about what God's Word says. Uh, living a life that pleasing Him was not a priority. Uh, God is rarely in their thoughts, uh, especially when... Life is smooth sailing. What are you going to, what do you think is going to happen when crisis comes and you come to God? Now think about that. Think about that. Especially when they don't know what to do and all of a sudden they become very pious, uh, very religious, if you will. They turn to the Lord and they ask him, Lord, give me the direction I need to go. But my question is this. Do you think God would enjoy that? No. He wants our lives to be consistent with him in every situation. Now, what happens is, for those who would lead their life for the most part, not concerned about what God has for them every day, not concerned about reading the Word of God or praying or spending time with God. Usually when they come to an emergent situation, they will end up making a rash decision, convincing themselves that this is what God wants them to do. And whenever you make a rash decision, one thing you can count on, normally it will lead you into more trouble because you don't have the guidance of God. And then when things turn bad, Their attitude is, well, I thought, I thought I had God's guidance. Now, listen, folks. When Proverbs says to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, what do you think, when do you think it's talking about? All the time. Not just when crisis comes. Not just when smooth sailing is there, but every part of our lives and if we try to ignore god's claim on our life when life is easy when we try to ignore god's claim on our life when life is smooth don't expect him to deliver us when the storms in our life come now by the way i didn't say if the storms come i said when they come why would i say that hey they come they come just to certain people Everybody, they will come. Go to Hosea, the Old Testament for a moment. Verses 13 through 14. Thank you, Phyllis. Now, we know that God is speaking, of course, about the nation of Israel. And had God redeemed them? Yes. But for the most part, were they seeking the heart of God? No. And God said, I redeemed you, and yet you're speaking lies against me. You're rebelling against me. You haven't cried unto me with your heart. How many know God always hears the cry of the heart? He does. It's not what we say with our mouth. It's what we say with our heart. And and God says (coughs) they howled upon their beds. What does that imply? Yeah, but not, not in the right attitude because they rebelled against God. Are you saying to me, Phyllis, that God's not a fair-weather God? He's there all the time. But how many fair-weather Christians do we have? Isn't that true? Now, again, our God is holy, 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 right? And God will not, He will not put a premium on godlessness. Now, think about that. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, I was just careless. But from Hosea, they're crying out. I mean, Hosea writes, God said, they were howling upon their beds. (laughs) They were in anguish. But the bottom line, God is saying, what can you expect from me for this? Nothing. You ignored me all those years, and now you're crying out to me. But on the other hand, if we seek every day, seek God's grace to walk with Him every moment, every day, if we allow His Word, His commandments, His precepts to govern our lives, not only in the good times, but if that's been our pattern in our lives, that's been our consistency in our lives, Please understand. Do you think for a moment when emergency comes God can abandon us? No. Now, you know, here you know, and this is the most difficult thing to understand, folks. And I want you to know when difficulties come, how many know there's no magic formula? (laughs) Yeah, it's God. But sometimes. He may remove that from us. Sometimes he may take us around it. But how many know sometimes he brings us through it? And sometimes we don't know the answer. Only God is sovereign. So, again, if we don't serve God consistently, don't expect him to come to our aid in the bad times. So what about you and I who want to please God and we really want to know what God wants and, you know, we have an emergency, we have a decision to make, and there are two choices to make, two paths. So how do we choose? Which way should we go? Let's take some principle. Number one, don't get in a hurry. Isaiah twenty eight sixteen. Anybody got that? And that's the important part there. Those who believe simply don't get in a hurry. I suppose I'm about ready to ask a rhetorical question. Have you ever done anything on impulse? <laughs> right? Huh? We're all guilty. How does that often come out for us? Not good. Not good. In fact, it's not fitting for a child of God. We certainly don't want to run ahead of God. And I don't think we want to run behind God either, but we need to learn to wait upon the Lord. But whenever we act on impulse, you can almost guarantee it's going to bring painful consequences into our lives. Lamentation chapter 3, verse 25 and 26. Amen. God is good to those who wait upon him. It's good that we hope and we quietly wait. That salvation there means deliverance. Deliverance of the Lord. Wait on God. Quietly wait for his deliverance. And I want to say, and certainly there are exceptions to any rule, but most of the time, if we get in a hurry and make an impulsive decision, we'll regret it later on. We will regret it later on. Now, don't you just love to wait? I don't think anybody does. Now, I must confess about the only thing I've ever been early in my life is church. Okay? And I'm trying to do better at that. I mean, I can dilly-dally with the best of them. But then, if I tell you I'll be at your house at 10 o'clock, at 10 o'clock, what do you start doing? Yeah, looking out the window, looking at your watch. We all struggle with waiting. And yet the Bible says, be careful, don't rush ahead of God. It's good to wait for him. And our prayer ought to be, Lord, help me every day. Because we don't want to wait. But Lord, put your quieting hand upon me to calm me down. To help me wait confidently on you. So number one, don't be in a hurry. Number two, ask the Lord to empty our hearts of our own desire. Some years ago when Brother Tom Jones, a pastor here in Ohio, actually he was in Pittsburgh, He'd been there for about 10 years, and then he left that church and went to the other side of Pittsburgh to begin another mission church. But he made a comment as he preached one, one summer at the state meeting. He said, I've been there 10 years, and my people can tell my stories as good as I can tell them. I've run out of stories. Well, that's where I'm at, okay? Uh, but it's like the fellow who uh, this big church had called him. I mean, the largest church he ever had, the past, of course, it's a story. I realize that. And, uh, you know, they're offering a great salary. And he come in one day, said, honey, I, I, you know, I really want God's, uh, blessing on this. I, I want God's, uh, guidance on this. He said, I want you to begin praying right now. Lord, what do you want us to do? And while you're praying, I'm going to go upstairs and pack. Now, again, that's just a story, but the problem is we've all got desires, don't we? And if we're going to seek God's will, we've got to lay our own desires away now in my own personal experience one of the most difficult times i had is when i felt like god was calling me the pastor of our church here and in fact i I went to several people and my concern was is this what god wants or is it something that i want i just you know i don't want it to be there even though I, i i certainly think i wanted to now there was a time I didn't. I didn't feel like, but I, I I had to know for sure. Lord, is this what I want, or is this what you want? Now, are we good at fooling ourselves sometimes? Yeah, we are. And you know, uh, <laughs> you know, Jesus prayed in the garden that His will be done, not His that the Father will be done. But it's hard for us to pray, Lord, your will be done, and do it honestly, and do it sincerely, until we've allowed the Spirit of God to put our will and ourselves in complete subjection to God. Until that happens. And by the way, uh, there, there'll be a secret, but it can be real. There'll be that secret preference in our heart. And when, whenever that's there, the decision we make is going to be biased. It is simply going to be biased. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with having desires. But are we willing to empty ourselves of that? Come clean before God and say, Lord, I really do, in spite of what I want, I want your will to be done in whatever situation it is. Because as long as our hearts are set on gaining something, which direction are we going to lean? That direction. That's true in my life. It is true in your life. And whenever we, our hearts are are already set on gaining something, and if we go to God, uh the chances are we're going to misinterpret what God is telling us. Uh, and not only that, if we don't empty our hearts, we're really mocking God. And sometimes if we're not careful and allow the Spirit of God to deal with our heart, we will misinterpret what God is saying and we'll twist it to fit our own desire. So we can't be in a hurry and we have to empty ourselves of our own desires. Every once in a while, there will be an obstacle in our, in our path. We know that. And it certainly may be a testing of our faith. And maybe the obstacle is removed, whatever it is. But again, we can't just jump to the conclusion that God is opening the door for us when he might be testing us and saying, Look, are you going to go the way I want you to go? Are you still leaning toward what your own heart desires? Now, remember, that's a problem Israel had. They refused to wait on God's ways. Psalm 81, verse 12. Anybody want to read that one? Thank you. Now, the story here, of course, of the Exodus... And by the way, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, you'll find out why God led them the long way around. And certainly because of disobedience, that God wanted to show them something. Three things, actually. The main thing was, he wanted the nation of Israel to know, you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And God had been trying to show them. God had tried to stir their hearts. But they kept going their own direction. They kept following their own desires. So God says, I gave them up. (laughs) I want to say today, tonight folks, I pray, Lord, may there never be a day in my life you give up on me. Don't give up on me. so the point here is, number one, don't make, don't get it hurt. Number two, empty our hearts because there is no way, if we have a strong desire to know the will of God, there's no way we can determine his best for us while our heart is filled with our own desire. We've got to empty ourselves. So that's why we've got to empty our hearts of our personal desires, our personal preferences, We've got to remove any secret desire, any set of desires that might be our own. We've got to empty ourselves before God will be able to work in our lives. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Amen. Now look at that verse very carefully. How many know that God wants to work in our lives? How many know that God wants to work His will in our lives? He really does. That's what God wants. (laughs) Um, I can only speak for myself, but I've found it to be true through the years, and I'm not sure it's getting any better. Uh, Usually I want my own way. Can anybody identify with that? Yeah, we want our own way. That's by our nature. And anytime any limit put on us, it rubs us, doesn't? It, it kind of chafes our skin, gives us a rash, right? But by nature, we want our own way. So if we really want God to work in us, if you want to know the will of God, we got—we can't be in a hurry. Empty our hearts for desire but we got to lay aside any personal bias in our lives, if God is going to work in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. The third thing we have to do is acknowledge to God what I really don't know. I really don't know. Some of you met Roger Daniel. He's probably the smartest man ever lived. If you don't believe me, ask him. He's not arrogant. I'm kidding, okay? But the only problem is, when Roger met my dad, he realized there was another fellow who thought he was the smartest man who ever lived. And one time, they were they were talking about something, and, you know, Dad had told me, this is what you got to do. And so I called Roger and said, Roger, my dad says this. He know, this is what he knows. And Roger said very clearly, I have no doubt he knows what he thinks he knows. I forget what subject it was. But sometimes, that's us, isn't it? We think we know when the truth is what? We don't. We simply don't have a clue. And so I can't be in a hurry. I've got to empty my heart of my own desires. And I have to humble myself and say, Lord, you know what? Whatever you do, Don't leave me on my own, because I really don't know what to do. I have to confess my ignorance. Now, first of all, when we confess our ignorance, who already knew that? God knew it. He knew it anyway. And so that's why it's important to be honest before God. Tell Him when you're uh, perplexed. Tell him when you don't know what to do. Is God going to say, oh, no. Is it going to surprise him? I don't think so. But let him know. But here's the thing. Certainly there's so many times we don't know what to do. And a lot of times when we think we know, we don't know. (laughs) But yet, even in those times, in every time, we can claim God's own promise and ask him, for Christ's sake, to make it good to us personally. James chapter 1, you will recognize the verses 5 and 6. Thank you, Dan. I don't mean to be redundant here. But if God makes a promise, what can we count on? He'll keep it, right? And when we acknowledge our ignorance before God, we don't know what to do. Lord, we're perplexed. And let's be honest, a lot of times when we think we know, we don't know. We know what we think we know. But James tells us, and I I hesitate to use the word James because he is petting, but it's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is God's Word. The Bible says if we lack wisdom, we go to our neighbor and ask him. We go to grandma and ask her. Who do we go to? We go to God. Ask God. When you don't know what to do, ask God. God. <laughs> and then James gives us a little bit of encouragement there. Is God stingy? How does he give wisdom? What's that mean? A uh, Lots of it. He doesn't hold back. He gives it liberally. And that King James word upbraid pray that uh, means he don't embarrass you. He won't ridicule you. If you ask for wisdom, God will give you plenty of it. God says, ask. Don't be ashamed, but ask. But the key is, when you ask, you'll ask how? In faith. we got to believe that God is. Hebrews chapter 6. Chapter 12, I'm sorry. And he's the rewarder of those who didn't seek him. We're going to ask in faith. Don't be wavering. But if you waver... You're just like the waves of the sea. You're tossed here and there. No settledness, no direction, just whichever way the wind blows. So whenever I'm perplexed, admit my ignorance. I don't know. Lord, I need you to grant me the wisdom I so desperately need. And that is the only way I can make the right choice. That's the only way I can discern clearly what God wants for me. And by the way, know that I'm being led by God. It'll be for God's glory. Psalm 37, verse 5. Amen. Is that a promise? Yeah. There's an obligation. We've got to commit our way to the Lord. Now, by the way, can we fool God? Nope. He knows when we're we'll really committed. If we'll do that, we'll trust him. He'll bring it to pass. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Again, give it to God. Oh, wow. Okay. Commit our way to God. Trust in God. Continue in prayer. And Paul says, watch. What that means is be on the lookout for God's answer. Be on the lookout for God's answer. Look for the movement of His providence. We also have to understand the hand of God can often only be discerned by the spiritual eye. But whenever we're seeking God's wisdom and we're seeing the hand of God through our spiritual eye move in whatever direction it is, and we know it's the will of God. It may not mean a lot to somebody else, but it means a whole lot to you. You know God is moving. Continue in prayer and watch in the same. In 2nd Samuel Daniel, I'm oh, sorry, Daniel, David was seeking uh guidance from God whether or not he ought to attack the Philistines. 2nd Samuel 5:24, read that please. Okay. David had gone to God and said, Lord, should I go against the Philistine? When should I go? How would I know? What's God telling? Yeah. What do you think? What's he talking about here? What would it sound like, you think? I'm not told for sure. But would you agree with the rustling of the leaves? Now God said, "David, when you hear that, when you hear that, get up and go, because I am going to go before you." So when David heard the sound in the trees, what did David know? Time to move. But so, but so, suppose somebody else come along. They might have thought that sound was what—disbelief, boy. But David knew God had given him. (laughs) Also, understand. While it's true we need light from God to discover our duty, our direction in particular cases. Now, remember, God said to David, when you hear that, go, because I'll be going before you. And so once God gives us light, that's not the end of the situation. Once we've got that, when you agree that we need God's presence to go with us, God to be with us so that we might have his power to rightly... Follow the path that God has led us to go. We need not only His direction, but His presence. Exodus 33, verse 15. Moses was frustrated. God was angry, and God says, Moses, I'm not going to go with you. What's Moses saying basically here? If you don't go, I'm not going. Lord, if you don't go, I am not going. Now Moses knew what we need to learn if we haven't learned already. Whatever we're leading, we feel like God is leading to do. If we don't have the presence of God with us, if we don't have his approval for it, if we don't have his assistance with it, and his blessing is not on it, what we think was the right way is going to become a trap for us. It's going to bring disappointment and heartache to our lives. you ever worry? How many know the Bible says don't do that? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I'm speaking to myself too. We know better. And we have to understand something here. And one theologian said this. As a general rule, he said we're we're better off not to trouble trouble our minds so much about guidance. He said that's God's job. Let God do that. Absolutely. That's the best way to do it, yes. Because that's God's work. You know, our obligation is to simply walk in obedience to God day by day. What about tomorrow? Yeah. Didn't Jesus say we have enough today to worry about? But walk in obedience day by day. And if we will simply walk in obedience to the Lord every day, there will be a a carefulness in our lives which will certainly help us to avoid a lot of, if not all, serious mistakes. Psalm 119, verse 100. Psalm 119, verse 100. What does he understand more? He keeps God's word. The man who keeps God's precepts is endowed with a wisdom which far surpasses the wisdom of any learned sage or philosopher. Keep God's yourself in the Word of God. Psalm 112, verse 4. Does that mean the upright person never has dark days? No. No. But the point is, when crunch time comes... God is going to give light in our paths. If we serve our, our God earnestly every day, and, and here's what's so important, if we serve Him consistently with all of our might, we can calmly and safely leave our future with Him. Isn't that true? And I have a question. If we cannot trust God with our future, who can we trust it with? No one. I know our government. They'll take care of us. Would somebody say, when the government says they're here to help you, watch out? But We can always trust on God. We can always trust God. Isaiah 66, verse 2. So God says, look, everything you see, my hands have made it. And guess who they belong to? They belong to God. And guess who he gives it to? Whoever he wants to. But God says, the one that is poor and a contrite spirit, the one who trembles at my word, the one who acknowledges he's ignorant, God says, I give it to him. So we have to say, Lord, help me never to lose my fear for you, my reverence for you. Help me to fix my heart on your word so I stand in awe of your word. And help me, Lord, to be afraid to displease you so I might walk in all of your way. Psalm 25, verse 12. So if you've got fear of the Lord, what's God going to do? He'll teach you which way to go. We've got to have fear in the Lord. Job 28, 28. You want wisdom? Fear the Lord. You want wisdom? Leave evil alone. How do we find the guidance of God? God. Hosea chapter six, verse three. Hosea Six three. Anybody got that? Are you in Hosea six three? Amen. But notice the first part of this. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. Knowing the Lord. The more we grow in grace, the more we know about God, the closer we follow God, the fuller will our knowledge of God's will be revealed in our Lives, And the more we practice seeking to please God in all things, the more light God is going to shed on our path. We must follow Him. Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I think it was last week we were in Matthew as well, but not that chapter, where Jesus talked about the eye being single, being pure, being whole, being healthy. He said the eye is the light of the body, and it is. And here Jesus said, be pure in heart, we will see God. And what's interesting is, if our motive is right, if our motive is right, our vision is going to be clear. Proverbs 11, verse 3. Do we need integrity? Yeah. us. And the man or woman whose lives are lives filled with integrity will not willingly or knowingly go down a crooked path. We simply won't do that. And when our heart is right before God, when our heart is pure, the pure in heart, we will not allow, in fact, dominoing lust will not control our lives and will not be blinded by corrupt motives. Make no mistake about it, folks. God honors our integrity. And the one who has a tender conscience before God will certainly have a very sharp spiritual discernment. But not so for the wicked. Because the wicked involves themselves in more and more trouble. And what's the end of that? Ruin. They simply can't win. Proverbs 11 verse 5. Proverbs 11, 5. Amen. The righteousness of the complete, the perfect, shall direct his way. An eye focused on the glory of God will deliver us from snares that the ungodly are often caught up in. We've got to keep our eyes focused on the glory of God. Proverbs. By the way, let me stop for a moment. We had several weeks, not many verses tonight. We're catching up, okay? Proverbs 28, verse 5. Amen. If you want to understand it, seek God. Seek the Lord. Isaiah 5, verse 20. I wonder when that ever happened. But you know what's going on? Think about this for a moment. Think about this. Whenever men live with unbridled passions, it always clouds their understanding. Isn't that true? When you live with an everything goes attitude, it'll cloud your thinking. It'll cloud your understanding. And it will pervert the choices you meet, meet and you make every day. In fact, it will affect you, affect them so bad, there will come a time, their mind is so clouded, they'll begin to call good evil and evil good. But those who seek to be subject to the Lord will always be given discretion. Folks, that's why it's so important that you and I maintain a biblical world view. We need to see our world and everything going on in it through the lens of God's Word. So real quick in summary and we're done. Number one, the Lord shall direct my path. How? Number one, by His Word. Not in some kind of a magical hocus-pocus kind of way. Not a way that encourages laziness. And it's not like going to a cookbook for recipes. That's not how it works. Because you only use cookbooks occasionally. But we do it by looking deeply into the Word of God. And He lets us know the the roads to avoid and the paths to take for righteousness and blessing. Number two, we've got to be led by His Spirit. The Spirit of God will give us strength To obey the precepts of God. The Spirit of God will help us to wait patiently on God for direction. And the Spirit of God helps us apply the Word of God to our lives. So we need His Word. We need His Spirit. And we need His providences. And that means, if you will, deliver me from leaning to my own understanding and help me to lean upon you, Lord. And if we will follow these principles, I'll guarantee you, you have a better understanding what God's will for your life is. Thank God for His presence in our lives. Uh, I'll just stop there tonight and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, we certainly want to continue to pray for Sister Terry.